WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 155, all about the Silmarillion, chapter 15 of the Noldor in Beleriand, being the 155th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time, and right now I am reading The Silmarillion, so you don't have to. Today, I am joined once again by Lark from Hashtag Ruthless Productions. Welcome back! Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. We are sending Jessie our well wishes because she is recovering from some surgery. Um, so best of luck to you, Jessie, if you're listening. And if you're not listening, I don't blame you because why would you listen to <laughs> Silmarillion content <laughs> when you're in recovery? So <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so it's so funny because just like such a huge contrast because when you, the first time you were on previously, it was for an episode of the Hobbit movie. And I believe it was the most nonsensical part of the entire trilogy. (laughs) So like by huge contrast now, we'll be talking about the Silmarillion, which, I have no more brain cells left. So do, what, what's your experience with the Silmarillion? Um, so, you know, big Lord of the Rings fan. I obviously at some point tried to read the Silmarillion. Um, we like had it in my house, either my mom had it or my brother had it, whatever. I was like, I will try this. And I was like, why do I feel like I'm reading Genesis? Yeah. Um, like the Bible's not interesting. Why would I want to read like I, someone else's like version, like their own Bible that they wrote? I was like, no, this I can't do this. Um, so that's it. That's my history with it. This is the first time I've tried to read it since I was maybe like eighteen, and I read one chapter. <laughs> oh my gosh, you jumped in with me! Wow, I did. I okay. read like some syn- synopses. Um, of like the overall gist of what's going on, mm-hmm. but um, how helpful was that? <laughs> Probably not at all. <laughs> I don't know, man. I tried. I like legitimately tried. Uh, I like listened to an audiobook version of the chapter. I read the chapter a bunch of times. I read a bunch of like spark notes of the chapter, but honestly, not since my college social political philosophy class in which I was assigned to give a presentation on the social contract theory by John Locke. Mm -hmm. Have I ever felt Mm -hmm. so unprepared to talk about a thing that I have spent so much time reading? (laughs) I'm like, I don't, I don't know what happened. I, I have tried so hard, but it will not enter my brain. So I'm really excited for you to tell me what I read because I still don't think that I know what I read. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, I, I feel like that every week. Um, if you decide to give the rest of the Silmarillion a go, which I don't blame you if you don't, um, you can skip the previous chapter, the realms of Balerion. Just skip it because it's literally Tolkien okay. describing word for word what a map will look, looks like. And it's awful. <laughs> so. but he loves drawing maps. Why wouldn't you just... <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, are these notes that he wrote and then later on his son found them and then that's how he got the map or was the map existing beforehand? Um, I mean, you do get other information in that chapter, but he he literally just could have been like, 
Yeah, and Feanor's son had territory over this part and you know and that's that's all you really the important information you needed it was like the political associations of different parts of the land and that was it and everything else was just like i don't know where we are i don't know what's going on so (laughs) cool um but first the reason lark is on is because hashtag ruthless productions and several other fandom creators many of which have been on this podcast before many of which um i stalk on social media trying to get onto the podcast um have collaborated with fandom forward to do uh you guys created a coalition of fan organizers and then most recently have this really snazzy report that just came out so why don't you tell us a little bit about what this coalition is and what you guys are are doing and what what this report was yeah for sure so fandom forward and uh black nerds create teamed up and we're like you know what we're all out here in our own little bubbles, like trying to make the world better through fandom. And like fandom is really big and really complicated, but like at its heart, most of us just like want to do good in the world and talk about things that we really care about. And they decided to like get together a bunch of folks who are, you know, very actively sort of combining activism and fandom and talk about like, what are the core tenets? Like what if we boil this down, like what are the most important parts of like doing fandom ethically and like making change via fandom? And we had a bunch of like really long Zoom conversations with like a bunch of really passionate people. And we over time were able to like boil it down to the, you know, the core values that we decided on. We have four sort of pillars of ethical fandom leading creating whatever um and then we broke those out into like deeper things and it's real it's real cool yeah um i was reading it over before we hopped on because i have to do homework ahead of time or else i will never I I always am afraid of people calling me out on recording being like, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So, yeah, these four pillars that I found, I was like, yes, y'all hit the nail on the head of like how I feel being a part of. Um, not that I do any like activism work within the Lord of the Rings fandom. Um, I am. A we- I, I don't even say I'm a voice in the fandom. I'm just a person here talking about old books, you know, that everyone else has already read. But anyway, you a lot are of these- a voice in the fandom, though. <laughs> and I would argue that you are doing activism because the way that you talk about things and the like view, the lens that you apply when you talk about things makes a difference in terms of how people who listen to you then interact with that text as they move forward. And I think that's like the most important part of like what we're trying to get at with this is like all of us out here whether you're just like drawing you know wolf star fanfic or making a podcast about the world of tolkien like you are doing activism because like you are smart and brilliant and creative and like the way you talk about things changes the world so oh that i I, i'm resisting the urge to make some kind of like self-deprecating comment about myself um I, I do 
uh, try and make a very intentional point to be a more um, welcoming, open-minded part of this fandom because a lot of people, I think, with Lord of the Rings especially, aren't always sure what they're going to get into if they're a fan. So I do try and make sure that people know that this is a very welcoming, open place for us to share ideas and collaborate and talk and like no hate allowed unless it's about Denethor, you know? Yeah. So... (laughs) solid policy (laughs) um so anyway yeah so these like four these four pillars that you guys came up with intentionality accountability imagination and community care i was like that's amazing that's great yes you hit like those are all the things that like i try to do just with like my you know small audience um and then something that I prop like I, I think I knew ahead of time that this study found um, that you guys found is that a, a lot of fandoms are just overlapping bubbles where you know people are. I mean that's how I found y'all is you guys have the Gaily Prophet, which is a Harry Potter podcast, and that that's literally how I find most of my guests because I I find like geeky related people, and I'm like, are you by any chance a Lord of the Rings fan? And ninety percent of the time they are. So right, um, lots of overlap, and so you can share these ideas from like one fandom to the other and slowly um i don't want to say indoctrinate (laughs) 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 but slowly share these um ideas if you have like a a campaign for a specific cause or something there's a good chance that it might trickle through fandoms to get to some more conservative fandom or more conservative side of the fandom so i don't know if you want to talk any about that because you're the ones who worked on this so (laughs) yeah yeah no I think that a lot of it is like you know some fandoms more than others are really gatekeepy or like really judgy I think the Lord of the Rings fandom is one that can be very insular Can, can confirm yeah so I think that like by widening those circles and making those ripples like you were talking about it also creates space so that new fans have entry points and there's like more sort of like, okay, well, if this this community who are like, if you don't speak Elvish, don't talk to us, want to stay over there, like that's fine. And maybe we won't ever get them to be like, yeah, I, I do want to talk about the Lord of the Rings as it like pertains to feminism or like race or whatever. That's cool. But like, there are lots of people who do want that and like, will be able to create their own fandoms by making these connections and like feeling empowered to use their voices and not feel just like shut out and like they aren't allowed to talk about it. So yeah. um, And what do you want to... I don't know, share share with my listeners, what can they do? What would you like to direct them to to think about or read or act? Yeah, so go, you can read all of the stuff that we have to say at fandomforward.org slash coalition. Um, I'll try to get Mary Clay to put that in the show notes. Yes, so all of this will be linked in the episode description. As always, make sure to scroll down and see. If you've never looked at the episode descriptions before, there's always um, in the last section, it says resources. And I usually leave links to stuff um, that will be helpful. So that that is where that will be linked. If you've never clicked open your podcast app or whatever, scroll Which down. Which I think is true <laughs> of a lot of people, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
Um, yeah, so you can you can read all about it. And like, if there's specific things that you're interested in, um, we get like really detailed with some stuff, but everything also is, you know, I feel like, you know, accessibility is a big part of like the community care aspect. And I feel like the way that the the person at Fandom Forward who put this together did their job is very accessible. There's like high level overview and then like slightly more deep overview. And then like, you can just keep going down further and further as much as you want, but you don't have to. So um, yeah, I definitely think everyone should check it out, whether you consider yourself like just a part of the fandom or a fandom leader or someone who would be interested in becoming a fandom leader. Like if you love nerdy stuff, this is for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. And app like totally retweet on the accessibility of this report because I was looking through it and there's, yeah, like a um, ter- terminology to explain different phrases and stuff to lay it out because not everyone um, knows some of these terms or, you know, you guys might be using certain things in a different way than people are used to so yeah it's really it's really a good it's a good read I enjoyed it um especially because um when when you reached out originally uh this was like a couple months ago I think now at this point um because the findings were like literally just came out this report was came out like last week as we're recording this um and you framed it from this perspective of like, we're just trying to, you know, how do we move forward with being ethical participants in fandom? And how do we make the most of this and um, really, you know, making a case for fandoms being able to be very powerful um, participants in activism and being able to enact a lot of change. And I think that's a really wonderful thing. It's something that I definitely have been grappling a lot with because of a certain author of a very famous fandom uh, for whom you have a podcast. <laughs> I do. I also have a guide on how to fire her while still liking her books. So yes, and I, <laughs> I, Every time she, you know, tweets something or or says something different, I really do turn to what y'all have been posting on your Instagram and look through that. And I find that so helpful. And listeners, if you you should by now be following um, at least the Tolkien about Instagram. Um, But I usually share those when I find them especially helpful because it's hard when you love these things and then the people who made them don't may not love you depending on who you are. So um Yeah, I love just to see a lot of like positive positivity and and community forming and um and whatnot coming out of these fandoms and and people coming together, especially in the past you know two years when everything's been terrible. So. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, and if that's something that folks specifically grapple with is like problematic creators, one of the pieces of the report that I wrote specifically was on interacting with problematic faves, and I. It was so fun. I was like, let's let's go like layer by layer. Like, let's say like least problematic in terms of like affecting the fandom is Joss Whedon, followed by J.K. Rowling, followed by Disney. And it's like, how do you inter- how do you deal with each of these levels of like betrayal and like what can we do about it? And it was honestly just a very fun thought experiment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm really proud of it. So people should totally read it. Yes. And read everything. <laughs> we were we were trying to keep this short. So we should maybe. Okay. Yeah. Some Yeah. I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'd rather just keep talking about this and not talk about the Silmarillion. Um, 
So yeah, again, all of that will be linked in the episode description. If positivity and people coming together in this in the name of fandom sounds good to you, go check it all out. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is chapter fifteen of the Noldor in Beleriand. Um, in the previous chapter, of course, we set up the realms of Beleriand, of which there are many. Um, Lark, I hate to tell you this, but um, there there's there's about a million brothers. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, okay, well, actually, they're all. So it starts off with three main brothers, um, and then one of them has seven sons, so that doesn't help. And it also Do they doesn't also help. Are, all start with F. Yeah, and that they all. Yeah, everyone there's, does. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to do I do my best throughout the rest of the chapter discussions to every now and then be like, remember, listeners, Finrod is blah, 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 son. Um, so I'll try and jump in for you, too. So in the previous, not even the previous chapter, at some point previously, um, Turgon, who I think is one of the sons of Feanor, um, and Feanor is the most dramatic person you'll ever encounter i mean they're all elves um but he he did a lot of shit to to say the least he basically led an exile of his people um they were in the equivalent of heaven on earth with these like demigods who loved them um but melkor who is kind of the parallel for lucifer um corrupted feanor to believe that they were being misled and lied to. So he kind of led this uprising to leave. Um, And in the process, there was one point where they had a battle and killed a bunch of like this other faction of the elves, like their own kin. Um, So that was bad. And then him and his other brother, Fingolfin, uh, were left leading their groups and Feanor stole boats, took them over to the other shore where they are now in Beleriand and burned them. So I don't, because they didn't, they didn't want to go back and get uh, Fingolfin and the rest. Um, And that was not good. And then literally like 10 days later, Feanor got killed. (laughs) So, and like that, I'm, Doing such a quick summary. I cannot emphasize enough how dramatic, how extra <laughs> Feanor is. <laughs> All right. So just like I kinslaying, will... exile, lies, treason, um, just just being petty about everything. <laughs> Got it. Okay. In summary. Um uh, uh, other groups of people that worked with y'all for this coalition, black, now Black Nerds Create, previously Black Girls Create, um, Bayana and Delia came on for some Feanor chapters, and we just love to scream about how dramatic he is. Like, every time he did something, I would message them and be like, oh my god, I can't believe this happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay. And that's what you missed on the Silmarillion. Um, okay. Sort of. <laughs> so, yeah. Previously, Olmo, the kind of demigod of the ocean, the Poseidon, so to speak, had had led Turgon, one of these sons, um, to this very secretive 
area to this land where he found this really cool hill and he wanted to recreate their city that was back over in Valinor, um, but over here in Beleriand. So they actually go through a secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. We love a good secret tunnel. <laughs> Literally anytime there's a secret tunnel, I freak out. Um, anyway, so through this like one way, one pass under the mountains is where he makes what is eventually called Gondolin. Um, and it's just really pretty. It's really nice. He spends some time um, putting it together and building it. And then there comes a time where he brings his people over to this land. And the previous land that they had been in, Nevrost, is just kind of abandoned at that point and withers away. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that part is really glossed over, I feel like, in the chapter. It's like, and anyway, done with that. Yeah, it literally says, but Nevrost was desolate and remained empty of living folk until the ruin of Beleriand. So rip Nevrost. So they've built this really great city called Gondolin, um, and Olmo appears to him and says, however, remember, you are not free of the, what does he call it? Um, the curse of somebody with an M. Yes. I sure did try to read this. The doom of Mandos. So Mandos is essentially their Zeus. He's like the one he is like the king of these demigods, the the okay. Valar. It sounds um, like a Jedi name though. <laughs> and <laughs> um when this crazy exile stuff was happening, um when they were leaving, he jumped up and gave them multiple points where they could have turned around and and stayed and then they chose to keep going forward and Mando said, "Okay, but, oh, wait, no, not Mandos. Who is Mandos? <sighs> Hang on. I'm confusing my... Okay. Ignore everything I just said. God, I hate this book. <laughs> I, like, can't emphasize enough to you. I really have been trying to keep an open mind here um, about the Silmarillion and being like, maybe it's interesting. Um, but really now I am shifting into, no, this is really just terrible. Um, okay, Mandos is not Zeus. A different demigod named Manwe is their <laughs> Zeus, is their king. Mandos commands the halls of the undead, so to speak. So he, so he's Hades. Yes, but he's a good guy. He's not a bad Hades. He's Hades just kind of like fine. the underworld. And he makes all of these really ominous um like statements in the middle of like meetings people will be it's like goth king yes exactly yes <laughs> love it <laughs> um and when they left he was like hey nothing good is gonna come of this um maybe you should turn back this isn't good um and exact like exactly like he said like 10 days later the leader of this exodus died <laughs> was killed so i feel like it's super rude to like name something after someone who just tried to warn you because calling it the the doom of mandos makes it sound yeah. like he doomed you but he just tried so, to give you a heads up technically 
the the way that Tolkien uses doom here means like um foretelling the prophecy the warning um mm. so so to speak um the the judgment um so the judgment of mandos that it still sounds extremely negative doesn't it doesn't though? it <laughs> <laughs> but like if i was just recently watching ghostbusters and there's of course the famous line that's when someone asks you if you're a god you say yes and so I feel like if a if a god is telling you to turn around, like you listen to them, you know, like. <laughs> but they did not, and so Mandos is the one. That's right. Who kind of foretold, like, okay, well, nothing good is going to come of this. A lot of bad, about a lot of bad stuff is going to happen. Um, and so that's what Olmo tells him. He says, "You are not free from this, um, and there is going to come a time that that." Treason will awake within thy walls, and this will be the end. However, um, what does he say? From Nevrost, one shall come to warn thee, and from him beyond ruin and fire, hope shall be born for elves and men. Le- so, so there's going to be a messenger who's going to come in this time of peril when treason is happening within Gondolin. Um, and he's going to come and he's going to warn them. And the way that we know it's going to be this messenger is that uh, Olmo tells him to make a specific um, sword and shield for for him to come and find. And so when he comes and he asks for this particular sword and sh- shield, then you know it's the one and you know to listen to him and he will help you. And so that's okay. yeah. So yeah. I thought he was gonna like put it on in the old land and then show up like it was like a costume that they were leaving so that they would recognize him when he showed up. Maybe he is doing that too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Let <laughs> me go um to the good old um Tolkien Gateway summary. Yes, create special armor. Olmo bade Turgon to create special armor and weapons for that messenger who would come to Nevrost himself one day. Also, what's confusing about the geography is that um, technically they they are in Nevrost, but now they're like in this specific city of Gondolin. Okay. So Am like I'm, even so Nevrost even though they is just not left. the old city that they abandoned, or it is. Hmm. I can't keep track. I know. Everything has too many. Nevros is like the region. <laughs> okay, got it. The general region, yeah. Um, and what then, is the name of the city they abandoned to lay waste or whatever is rotting into the ground? Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's Nevrost. And then this is the 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 city that he is modeling Gondolin after is called Tyrion, and this was back over in the land of Valinor, which was heaven on Earth. Got and it. so they had okay. this really nice city named Tyrion, and it was the Noldor's part in, in Valinor. And so when they left, Turgon got really sad because he was like, oh, dang, that was kind of nice. <laughs> I wish we had that over here. And so Olmo was like, cool, I'll lead you somewhere where you can pretty much recreate it. So they've abandoned this city named Tyrion over in Valinor. And he is recreating it here in Gondolin. And they were previously um, kind of more in the southern region of Nevrost. And I'm kind of just picturing like a bunch of fields and a valley and... 
Where were they? Let me check. Where is Nevrust? You know what? I don't care. I was just looking at the map. I can't find it. It doesn't matter. I don't, it really doesn't. I don't I blame you. I hate this book. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So there's going to be a messenger who's going to come and warn them. And either he's already going to have the shield and, and weapons or he's going to come there and ask for them and... That's how we know. But there, there's, there's a, me- there's a secret messenger involved. There's sh- fancy sh- shields and swords. I can't say those two words together. Um, and until then, everything's great in Gondolin. It like is really thriving. Um, again, uh, Turgon kind of led all of his people here, and. So they're all there, they're chilling, uh, and it becomes like a really great city. And they make, okay, are you ready for more nonsense about this book? Uh, yes. This literally sounds like when um, I recently started rewatching Riverdale because okay. on TikTok, people were describing like this week's Riverdale episode, like Cheryl burned her mother alive with her new fire powers. And it's like, what? <laughs> when did she get fire powers? Um, and it sounds so crazy that you're like, how did we get here? So I started rewatching it again, even though it's a terrible show. Um, anyway, and so the the way that people on TikTok describe Riverdale is like, did you just make that up or is that actually happening? So that's what I'm is probably what this is about to sound. In Valinor, there were these two trees <laughs> that grew that were really pretty. Um, and they essentially like worshipped them. And um they were called Telperion and Laurelin, and they were silver and gold, and they would like bloom and wax and wane at different times of the day. And so that's kind of how they they signified day and night um, at first. Um, However, they were killed by Melkor and Ungoliant, who is essentially Shelob's great grandmother. Okay. Um, And so. In remembrance of the two trees of Valinor, in Gondolin, they make Glengal. <laughs> I wish people could see your face. <laughs> that just sounds like nonsense. Have you, I mean, have you, you read something and when you say it out loud, you're like, that's awful. Um. Anyway, Glengal and Beth, Bel, Belthil, Be, wait, Belthil. Sure. Um, They create these two trees in remembrance of the trees of Valinor, although they're never going to um, make up for the thing that they lost. Um, And yeah, that's kind of what is cool about Gondolin. Um, And it says that it it drops all these names that I'm like, am I supposed to know these people? Because it says fairer than all the wonders of Gondolin was Idril, Turgon's daughter. She that was called Celebrindal. So I'm like, am I supposed to remember who this is going to be in the coming future? And I probably won't remember who it is, is the thing. You know what would be really convenient is if Tolkien would just give people one name. Like, I feel like yeah. every single thing, it's like this person known as this other thing. And in this other language, this other thing. And it's like, what if, though, one name... Per character as an idea. 
that would be that that would be nice but then it wouldn't be Tolkien. I will make an exception for Gandalf, though. I like that everyone has a different name for Gandalf. Oh, see, I like I like that too. I like that Aragorn has a million names. Yeah, that's fine too. <laughs> that's just extra dramatic to me. So yeah. Gondolin is doing great. Meanwhile, Finrod, <laughs> who <laughs> Look is losing. I'm flipping to the back to the family I just trees. Think Finrod sounds like an insult, and like I know. the way that you just delivered it really like clinched that for me. Um, it's also hard to keep track because like s- the Noldor in general have done so much. Um, that like I can't keep track. I'm like, do we like this one or do we not? Like, did he do something good or did he not do something good? Like, what's going on? Um, okay, here. Finn, that's right, Finrod is the oldest son of the third youngest son who actually stayed behind. So theoretically, he shouldn't really be that important, but he created this fortress called Nargothrond, and it is modeled after a fortress in the forests of Melian and Thingol, because he got there and he's like, this is dope. I want one of my own. So he went into the mountains and made Nargothrond. Um, and Galadriel, you know her. I do. <laughs> we know her, um, is his sister. She is the youngest of, like, this this line of cousins. Um, and I believe the only girl. So... That's sexist. <laughs> and she has stayed in the realm of Doriath, these this forest area that Thingol, who um, did not go over to Valinor, he ended up staying behind because Melian is, she's not one of the Valar, but she's one of their like servants or like right hand men, women. So she kind of has some powers and um, long story short, she like entranced him, entranced Thingol, and he kind of got distracted and stayed behind okay. <laughs> and fell in love with her in the woods. <laughs> so is this whole like second half of the chapter that has nothing to do with the first half of the chapter? This is all happening in like the old country. Is that accurate? this is Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. The old cool. country. That... Very good. Yeah. So wanna 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 know what's really annoying? Nothing yes. that is happening in these geographical locations, you cannot correlate it to anything in like in what we know of Middle Earth from Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, because all of this, spoiler alert, will from what I understand just like sink into the ocean. Hmm. So it just doesn't exist anymore. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Can I just this... tell you how many times of reading this chapter it took before I realized that like we weren't talking about Turgon anymore in the second half. Like, yeah, I was like, this is oh, what wait, Tolkien Thingol does a lot. We're like, completely different way. He'll... That's why it's important to pay attention to the titles of the chapters because he'll cover a lot of different stuff in one chapter as long as it falls within like the same category and this category is very vague it's just the Noldor who is the group of elves that came they um okay so the elves 
awoke in Middle Earth and the Valar, the gods, were already kind of on the other side of this huge sea and they were in their land, Valinor. And they were afraid that the elves were going to be corrupted or hurt by Melkor, the evil one. So mm-hmm. they sent for the elves to travel over to Valinor. So some of them did go over the, uh, there. Some of them didn't. Um, and Thingol was leading a group of people. And then, like I said, got distracted by some like hot wood nymph, stayed behind, fell in love. They started their own kingdom. And the Noldor are the ones who they went over and then had a mass exodus and came back. Yes, so they are in, yeah, like their old land again. They're in the old country, yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, So Melian and Galadriel are having some girl talk because Galadriel doesn't really talk about like why they left or how they left or what happened when they left. Um, and Melian is very smart. <laughs> And she's like, you are not telling me something. Obviously, you're hiding some secrets. And she and Galadriel's like, "Uh, yeah, I guess so. And so Melian just like calls her out because they were hoping maybe the Valar had sent the Noldor over back to this land. Um, but the longer that they've been here, because at this point, I think it's been like maybe hundreds of years that they've okay. been back in this land. Um, and so she says, for what cause, Galadriel, were the high people of the Noldor driven forth as exiles from Amon, which is another name for the land over there, essentially, or what evil lies on the sons of Feanor, Feanor the main dramatic son who led everything. Um, What evil lies on the sons of Feanor that they are so haughty and so fell? Do I not strike near the truth? And I love this. Galadriel says, near. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) you're kind of close. And finally, she does tell her, um, not everything, which is hilarious. She said she spoke of the Silmarils, which are these gems that Feanor created that encapsulated the light of the two trees of Valinor. So they hold these dearly. And when the trees were killed and died and withered away and the light went out, they wanted to use the Silmarils to save the light of the land. And Feanor was like, but then I wouldn't have them. And that's a problem. <laughs> um, and eventually, Melkor stole them. So he currently has the Silmarils. Um, so she tells, Galadriel tells Melian about the Silmarils. She tells him about Finway, who is the father of these three sons. Um, the the main patriarch, and he died. Uh, he was killed by Melkor getting the Silmarils. And then I love this. Still, she said no word of the oath, nor of the kinslaying, nor of the burning of the ships, which are all of the main insane things that happened. <laughs> like just conveniently leaving out 
the murder. Do you have a theory of uh, Galadriel's uh, reasoning for keeping this secret? I think she was probably just like, maybe I shouldn't be the one to tell you this. Like, maybe that should be on my on my cousins. Maybe that should be on um, my uncle who is like our de facto leader now of the Noldor, now that Feanor is dead. You know, maybe she was just like, this isn't my place. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you that some things went down. I won't go in the details. You might need you might need to ask some other people. So Melian goes to her husband Thingle and tells him that Galadriel has said, yeah, some stuff went down. Um, there were the Silmarils, Finway was killed, um, and she probably says, and I'm sensing that she's still holding back. This is where Thingol says, he's like, yeah, I haven't really trusted these guys since they came here. When the Noldor first arrived, um, Thingol was very, um unsure about letting them in because he was like I've been over here I'm the king of this forest like I don't want you coming in and taking over like we've been doing great on our own and I have no idea what you guys are about um which was good judgment Mm -hmm. um and he only lets in um the sons of the third son who is actually still over in the land because they are um his like great nephews or something. So he's like sort of more related to them than the other two families of sons. So he'll let them into his kingdom, which is how Galadriel got in there. And this is actually, actually in a previous chapter, it mentions this is where she met her husband, Celeborn. So yay, Galadriel. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, this is where Thingol says, yeah, I've been hearing some rumors (laughs) um, that, They did not leave on their own devices. They left for vengeance and redress of their loss. The Noldor came. Um, Yet all the more sure shall they be as allies against Morgoth. So he is like, they only came for revenge. But again, they're going to. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Melkor and Morgoth are the same person. I did actually pick that up. (laughs) Um, And... um, but because they're all against Melkor, he's like, I guess we'll keep them around. Right. Um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes. Melian, being a smart woman, says, beware the sons of Feanor. Um, and they are still super unsure about them. And she says, their swords and their councils shall have two edges. I love that. That's very yeah, cool. And then good. it says, afterwards, they spoke no more of this matter. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the rumors are flying around now about what the Noldor have done. And even though Galadriel didn't tell Melian about the kinslaying, about that um, awkward moment when you kill some of your own people mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you steal their boats. And then um, once half of your group gets to the other side of the land, you burn those boats. Awkward. <laughs> um <laughs> Thingol hears from Círdan, the ship master, who is actually present in Lord of the Rings. I believe he's the one who is manning the ship that Frodo takes to takes to Valinor, which is where he goes off 
you know, diminishes into the West, like Galadriel right. says. Um, and so Círdan has heard these rumors. He's heard other whisperings. Um, and he brings these troubles to Thingol. Thingol is like, okay, let's let's clear this up. So he brings in the the sons of Finarfin, and Finarfin is the one who's still over in Valinor, and is like, okay, be straight with me. Did you kill your own people? And and they're like, well, yeah, but like, how does that hurt you? You know, like you're not. We didn't kill you. What does this matter to you? Like, that's all in the past now. And Thingol says. Um, it's pretty bold of you that you would come to the board of your kinsmen, thus red-handed from the slaying of your mother's kin. Um, because this is the the like tribe of elves that they killed is where their mother was originally from. Okay. You say nothing to defend yourself, and you don't even ask for forgiveness. And so Finrod is upset, but he doesn't say anything else. I love this. For he could not defend himself. <laughs> And he also doesn't want to throw the other cousins and brothers and uncles and whatnot under the bus and blame anyone. However, Angrod, his brother, has no problem doing this. Um, and he <laughs> blames, he puts the full blame on Feanor and says, Feanor led us to do this. Um, we were following his lead. He's the one who led these charges. Um, we... Obviously, we're upset, but this this was Feanor's doing. And also, Feanor betrayed our his his other brother, Fingolfin, and left him behind. And their family and their, you know, group of people, they had to walk on this um, basically just like ice mass that was the only other way beside boat to get over and like a lot of them died on the way over so Feanor's been totally blamed thrown under the bus and Thingol commands that he will keep he will not shut his doors against Finrod and Angrod the 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 and the rest of the brothers of Galadriel um, and he will still keep friendship with Fingolfin and his people because they were also betrayed by Feanor. Um, however, he will never speak. He doesn't want to hear any more speaking of um, the kinslaying and the people directly involved with that. So he bans the use of Quenya, which is what the Noldor speak. He bans the use of the Noldor's language. And so because of that, um, Sindarian uh, becomes like the main language spoken in these lands. And Quenya is really only spoken between Noldor. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, he says, and all such as use it shall be held slayers of kin and betrayers of kin unrepentant. So even if you speak the language, you're in the same group as Feanor and everyone else. Um, and now we're at the last page. That's right. Okay. So after that awkward dinner <laughs> where your <laughs> uncle accuses you of being a Kenslayer, um, and you throw your other uncle who died under the bus, um, Finrod goes back to his fortress, Nargothrond, and he is asked, why don't you have a wife? Maybe he's gay. We don't know. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> but he says, I foresee, he says, an oath I shall swear and must be free to fulfill it and go into darkness. And he says, nor shall anything of my realm endure that a son should inherit. So he foresees that stuff is going to happen in the future where it's not going to be a positive future for a potential son or other children of his to live in. There's not going to be anything that he can pass on to them. Um, However, the real truth of the matter is probably that he loved this elf named... Um, Amory, and she was of the Vanyar, which are like the group of high elves. They're this group that when they were summoned to Valinor, they essentially had no hesitation, went and got there first. Um, So they're like the high elves and they stayed there. Um, And yeah, so she stayed there and she did not go with him into exile. So that's that's the more reason why probably he's not married is that his girlfriend was left behind. (laughs) Got it. Yes. It's a rude question. I feel like when I got to that part, I was like, Galadriel. <laughs> and it's kind of random, too. That. Yeah, you can't just, oh my God. Like, in front of everyone, people. what are you doing? <laughs> like, hey, where's your girlfriend? Um, It is kind of funny, though, to imagine that he is gay and doesn't want to marry a woman. And so his excuse is that he has this, like, for this this vision of the future and he's like it's not going to be good for any of for any sons so that's why i'm not going to get married yeah <laughs> like <laughs> this pride let us endorse everyone making up the weirdest excuses, excuses to cool. avoid coming out to people you don't want to come out to yes <laughs> <laughs> i support it and i'm here for it um was there anything in this chapter that yeah so that's the end of the chapter was there anything in this chapter that you i'm sure you had lots of questions (laughs) but is there anything you were curious about or wanted to know more about that maybe i can try and answer honestly i feel like i've i understand everything so much better i did just want to know how much i appreciated the part where the one that starts with a is like angrod Mm -hmm. yeah is like giving his whole like this is why you shouldn't be mad at us. And like, it basically ends with, and besides things have been really hard since then. <laughs> the dude yes. is like, they have been they really have hard. Been so hard. I guess I won't be mad at you. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Um, Angrod says, Lord, I know not what lies. Wait, Lord, I know not what lies you have heard nor whence, but we came not red handed guiltless. We came forth save maybe a folly, to listen to the words of fell Feanor and become as if besotted with wine and as briefly. That, I, it sounds like Shakespeare to me. I don't know what I just read, um, except that he's blaming Feanor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no evil did we do on our road, but suffered ourselves great wrong <laughs> and forgave it. The fact that they're like, <laughs> like, yeah, we we did suffer great wrongs, but we've also moved like us as a people. We've moved past it. We've all forgiven each other. So why can't you forgive us? Yeah, totally. Um, it's like your grandma, like passive aggressively. Yes. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it does say. Yeah, then An- it also says Angrod spoke bitterly against the sons of Fanor. Um. So yeah, yeah. He just it, yeah. He's like we've all moved past it. Um. But, like, we had a rough time. So, like, can't you move past it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we had to go over the ice. And what's his face? It's like, you did. The ice sounds terrible. That was, that and was it sad. Does. Yeah. It sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Um, it was not good. Um, the wife 
of that brother of like that leader he died she died on the journey um which would be sadder except for i believe the first mention of that wife of that character was that she had died in the past like that was the first time you hear about this woman (laughs) hard hard to be to mourn a death of someone you've never met exactly yeah um but i guess i don't know hitting home that like yeah the wife of the leader of this group died doing this so right um yeah, that's um a rough and dirty of of the Silmarillion and like the drama of of these elves and obviously there's more to come um because there are these chapters coming up that says like of the fifth battle, the ruin of Doriath, the fall of Gondolin, and of course I mentioned that at some point or another all of Beleriand just falls into the sea. So <laughs> <sighs> Tolkien. Tolkien, right. And the crazy thing is that he didn't have to write this. <laughs> he didn't have to do any of this. Like, he just wanted to. <laughs> yep. And people want it is maybe the even wilder part. I know. Is that there are so many people who are such enthusiastic Silmarillion and like, consumers. I... I genuinely love people being enthusiastic about things that they care about even if i have no interest in it or even if i you know I, you know i think it's dumb or or i don't like it but like this is a whole other level i just feel like the premise is so interesting and honestly like this is the kind of thing that it's like yeah this makes sense to make a multi-part tv adaptation of right um you want to know the kicker all yes. the stuff that we're reading isn't actually going to be the series. <laughs> Never mind. But that's what I also thought. And so I was really mad. It's going to be there's a section at the very end of the Silmarillion called of the third of the rings of power and the third age or something. Um, and then they're also pulling stuff, I believe, from the appendices of Lord of the Rings. But yeah, I thought I was like, oh, cool. We're getting like a Silmarillion Lord of the Rings, you know, Amazon Prime no. series. And then people were like, no, we're not. And I'm like, so I'm that's... reading this for nothing. <laughs> <Are you laughs> yeah, kidding? no, that's awful. I just feel like why not write it like not like the Bible and publish it as a series of short stories? Like, wouldn't that be so fun? I would love that. I will say, like, if he just wrote like the short story of um, of Manwe and Olmo and like the gods and just yeah. focused on them and then did a story all about Feanor and then a story all about um, like Baron and Luthien are coming up. I do think they get their own like specific like this could be its own, un- you know, separate short story. Um, but that's the way that a lot of people like describe the Silmarillion to me before I started reading it when they were like trying to defend it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's just like a bunch of um store like separate stories about these characters. And it's kind of like if you like myth like if you read mythology, it kind of reads about, you know, feels like you're reading the myth of Feanor, you know, or whatever. Um, but I don't think I like mythology. So <laughs> unless I'm like my exposure to I find it interesting, but, like, only if someone is, like, telling me the story, like, telling me the mythology in an interesting way. Um, I can't just, like, take in all of that, like, information. It's just not, it's also just not written accessibly. Yeah. It's really, honestly, very inaccessibly written. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, 
Wait, I mean, my my reading level is very high. I do. Same. My yeah. brain will not absorb things that are written this way. I'm just yeah. like, I have ADHD and I have been reading the same page for I don't know how long. And I don't remember anything that it says. I have surprised myself in this conversation by how much I somehow did absorb. I'm glad I was I able didn't to think I had absorbed to, to, to teach something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you're totally right. And that's why um, I like get really defensive on behalf of people who are Lord of the Rings fans who have never read the books or, you know, or because um, a lot a lot of um, Tolkien, you know, toxic fanboys will be like, you haven't read the Silmarillion. And it's like, of course, I haven't read the Silmarillion. I have a life like I <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I have not. Um, but yeah, it's really hard. It is extremely inaccessible. And there are lots of people who will try and come out and say like, oh, psh, you can go rent it at a library. And it's like a lot of people exactly like you were saying with how, how you have ADHD and like you process information different ways. And um, yeah, like it's it's hard. It's not accessible, which is why I decided to read The Silmarillion is because I wanted to like spite all of these people who come out and are like, oh, you haven't read the Silmarillion? Then both, and I'm like, I'm going to read it and then everyone else can learn about it because it's hard. It is hard. You have to have like a group. It's exactly like taking the ring to Mordor. You have to have a group of people with you <laughs> to do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just have a much easier time listening to the audiobook and like reading along, um, which like it's on the internet archive. I couldn't find an actual like currently out. I love the internet archive, man. Listeners, if you've ever like asked me like, oh, where did you get access to that movie or where did you get access to um yeah, that audiobook? It might just be on yeah, just type in, you know, Silmarillion audiobook internet archive and it might come up. Yeah. Also the person reading has like a beautiful voice and is very confident about pronouncing all of these names in a way that I never oh could God. be. And I was like, this is actually I think lovely. maybe the reason it's when I was saying Finrod, you were like, it sounds like you were saying an insult is because I have so much hesitance whenever I say any of these names because I'm like, Am I about to say the correct F name? Or am I, think I going to? I it's just to... because it like sounds like something also... a child would call. It sounds like else Nimrod. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, you just said it with such passion, you know. Finrod. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Well, you Finrod. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. <laughs> um. What would you like to share? Well, we've already shared a lot with the audience, but is there anything else you want to share or plug or, or point them to? Yes, it is my Our Flag Means Death podcast called the Gay Pirate Podcast. That's right! Everyone should be listening to. Um, It's super fun and really great. So, you know, go go find it go listen even if you haven't watched the show because like you live in a country where you can't yet you should just still listen to the podcast because it's like the most fun thing i've ever done i um i have not watched it yet because i don't have hbo max so but it's making me really this is your this is your opportunity to send mc your login (laughs) yeah um i'm accepting your logins Uh, no i feel no that feels icky that feels like an abuse of power we were just talking about like ethical ways of being like leaders in fandom and i'm like um if you would like to share your hbo account (laughs) your hbo max account 
Send your login to TolkienAboutPod at gmail.com. <laughs> I do not think that's an abuse of anything. Um, but also, I'm sure that someone will. I use someone else's. Otherwise, I would be sending you my login as soon as we hung up. So. <laughs> it's just a chain. Yeah. Um, yes, everything, listeners, like I said at the beginning of the episode, will be linked in the description. So open up your app, tap it open, and and click on the links and explore and read and learn. Th- those are wonderful things to do in life, exploring and reading and learning. That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org. The cover is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash TolkienAboutPod. You can follow the podcast on social media at TolkienAboutPod, and you can follow me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. However, I share all of that with the caveat that last week on Twitter, my personal and podcast accounts were trolled and I was harassed relentlessly by honestly just a bunch of alt-right Tolkien fans um, is what it was. And I temporarily have privatized both of those Twitter accounts. However, if you're a nice person and you request to follow, there's a good chance you're going to get approved because I go through people's bios and I go through the things that they tweet and the things that they like. It's pretty easy to tell whether or not people are following me because they have good intentions of being a part of that community or whether they're following me just to troll harder. So if you want to follow on Twitter, go for it. Um, I don't think those accounts are going to be privatized for long. Um, I actually just unprivatized my personal account. We'll see how that goes. And I'm sure the Tolkien about Twitter will be public very soon. But yeah, it was just kind of, you know, um, really timely considering some of the things that I was talking about with Lark in the episode and some of the things that the Fandom Forward Coalition did this study on and the things that they released in this study. And one of them is that it's important for open-minded and welcoming people such as me and such as many of my listeners and the guests that I have on, it's important for us to take up space in this fandom because there are otherwise people, very negative people like I experienced last week, who are going to take up that space instead. And they are going to use these very powerful, images and characters and stories from Tolkien and from Lord of the Rings to perpetuate their terrible ideas. And I saw that happen last week with um, a couple court decisions that happened that we won't get into because we don't have the brain space for that right now. But um, anyway, yeah, it's important for us to take up space and show other people that we are welcoming them and that they are safe And so if you're listening to this, I guess this is also the last episode of Pride Month. So if you're listening to this, you know, you're welcome here. I want you to enjoy Tolkien just as much as the next person. It is for everyone to enjoy whether or not the Silmarillion makes sense to us. You know, it's for all of us to enjoy, despite the fact that sometimes it's nonsense. Anyway, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. You can explore the different tiers and perks that are available. You can become a sponsor of the podcast like Taylor. Taylor, you wonderful person, you wonderful part of our Discord server. 
thank you so much for your support. I enjoy seeing you in Discord and I appreciate your support um, as as long as you have been giving it to this podcast. It's it's really so generous of you. Lark, thank you for coming on and and diving into the Silmarillion with um with with as much gusto as you can when <laughs> It's a book like this. Thank you for having me. This is truly a joy. Uh, do you have any parting words for the audience? Go watch the gay pirate show. <laughs> watch the gay pirate show. And that's what I'm talking about.